of Fratello on Air. I'm Mike Stockton, coming to you from Frankfurt on Main, Germany. And I'm Balazs Renzi, as always, coming to you from Karlsruhe, Germany. Well, maybe not as always. I think you're uh, going to yeah, start traveling right. a bit. You're going to get the road hot. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to be away for a few weeks, um, but I'm back. All pleasure or part work? Mm, work, pleasure, work. It's almost almost a week so i'll be in the states for a few days almost a a week um next week then i'll be on vacation for a week because i had to take some holidays off before the end of march you know how it is Mm -hmm. so and then i'll be uh, away for a week and then just in not too far from germany and then then it's uh, watches and wonders and time to watches and and everything like that watch watch uh event season in switzerland geneva so i will be there and then i will be back and um hopefully we will have enough recorded material for our dear listeners so when we come back we can either record the chronograph podcast as we talked about before or we can just talk about what happened in the last since the last time we saw each other which at this point God knows when it will be. <laughs> well, I think we can do a Watches and Wonders episode. Yeah. There's plenty to yeah. get there, I hope. And yeah. cool. Well, we're going to continue down our brand uh, rundown mm-hmm. and we're going to talk Zenith today. Yes. So, or as they say in America, Zenith. Zenith. <laughs> <laughs> the old TV company, which, as we'll, we'll discuss here shortly. Yeah was briefly involved with Zenith. Indeed. So, yeah, and not a lot of news otherwise today. So what do you think about we we get right into the Hangalangs controller? Sure, why not? I can, right. I can start if you want. Yeah, because, give it to me. Um, yeah, so I'm. Uh, we were doing this recording back-to-back, so I, I, I was uh, a bit unprepared because I only took one watch for the previous episode. And, but then I realized that I have my little Casio G-Shock on the table, which I'm going to wear after we finish with the recording for the rest of the day. And the reason I picked this now is because, as I said, well, because it's on the table. And why it's on the table is because it was um, dying. So I had to put it on the sun. And boy, mm-hmm. I put it on my terrace for probably two mornings. And this little guy has a full battery. Wow. It's the, yeah, it's a solar um, I th- think that you don't have to change the battery or if you change, you have to have it with a rechargeable. I'm not really sure. But anyways, if you use the solar panel, a uh, solar power, you don't need to change the battery at all. This is the um, the GWB5600 version with the Bluetooth connection. And it's pretty cool because if you connect it um, with the Bluetooth to your um, phone app on the phone, you can see the the battery level. Uh-huh. And um, when it's really dying, then on the top right corner it says low where the the date is, the date window. It says low, so I just put it on the sun and it charged it beautifully. So nice, yeah. And it's a cro- uh, sorry, not a chrono. It's a chronograph as well, but it's a quartz watch, which is something that has to do something with my picks. So I'm hinting some picks here. Cool. So, yeah. Very, very cool. That's the one. Are you wearing a Zenith by any chance? I'm not. Oh. My uh, The sole Zenith that I own is uh, up in the Netherlands right now with Paul. Uh, or it might not even be with Paul yet. I think it's with RJ. And Paul mm-hmm. will come get it in the next week or two, I hope. But it has been up there for months. So, get to it, Paul. <laughs> um, he, <laughs> he's going to... Uh, do a service it is a well we'll talk about it because hint hint that's one of my watches but it is a Mm -hmm. cantankerous movement and yeah i've had 
it, it feels like a uh, vintage Italian or British car at this stage. So <laughs> <laughs> very reliable. Yeah, very, very reliable. Um, reliably unreliable. And I am actually wearing my Technos Skydiver. Oh, nice. Yeah, I can't remember if I've ever worn that for one of these podcasts. Maybe I have, but I... I can't um, remember, to be honest. Yeah, so this one came out of Japan, which is a typical place for these. For whatever reason, Technos and Rado were big in Japan. And I guess Technos is also big in South America, I think in Brazil. Um, so th- this is the uh, 1960s piece that, you know, shared a case with the Titus Calypsomatic, and I believe also the um, Universal Genève uh, pole rider diver. And mm-hmm. really nice. Uh, this one is in just phenomenal condition aside from, a little bit of radium missing on one of the hands and a little bit of chipping at the edge of the dial. But this watch I got for a great deal at auction and it has a a tropical dial that, that looks almost like varnished um, wood, like Oak or something, which I don't own any tropical watches. It's just not something that I've ever been willing to pay the money for, but this one just worked out and in the sun, it's crazy. So this one needed some work, had it shipped to James in Belgium, and we had to go get a donor uh, for some movement stuff. And also the crown was just coming right out if he pulled on it with any kind of force, which it uh, it's a screw down crown. And yeah, it, it, it's, it's really, really nice. Um, I got a bracelet for it that is not correct, but off of like a more dressy Technos model. So it sort of fits, but the end links are have a little gap there, but it, it works well enough that it, it just looks like a jangly old thing. And yeah, well, again, one of these watches that I always sort of wanted, but never was really looking for the auction came up. I I saw it, I went after it and it worked. So yeah, that's very cool. That's my watch today. And yeah, neither of our watches have anything to do with Zenith other than their watches and that's what Zenith makes. Yeah. So. <laughs> and TVs. Yeah. And TVs, right. Or used to. So <laughs> Zenith. So Zenith, um, was founded in 1865 in the town of, Oh, how do I say it? Le local. Le loc. Yeah. Le loc. Local. Wow. So we don't even, we just ignore those that LE at the end, huh? I think it's Le Local, but just I, most of the time I just hear people say Le Loc. Tough language, man. Yeah. Tough language. So, yeah, Zenith um, has been around for a long time, and they uh, did everything like a lot of brands at that time. You know, pocket watches, onboard chronometers, and <clears throat> of course, we're selling all around the world, and. Uh, the actual name apparently came about in 1911, you know, it it grew out of, uh, the same group and they, um, you know, we, we think of them for the El Primero, but they were using a lot of different movements back in the day, you know, Excelsior Park, Valjou, and then they purchased Martel at -hmm. some point in the the early sixties and, and then they took over their movements. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the El Primero came around in 1969 and same year as the whole, uh, caliber 11, uh, group. And of course, Seiko with its 6139. And yeah. then in the seventies, 1971, they were taken over by the American, we say Zenith radio corporation of Chicago. And, at that time, they were the the largest company in America making electronic components, and I still remember. I think my grandparents had a Zenith TV. They were they were like Sony, you know. And mm-hmm. there's uh, there are folks who who believe that they bought them because the name they were wealthy at the time, and they wanted the name, and they wanted to help. Uh, you know, just solidify everything with that name was under the same company, which is kind of funny and. That only lasted for about seven years. And in 1978, they were sold again and um, actually were 
partnered with Ebel. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and then it's, yeah, some different uh, things occurred then. You know, the El Primero came back. And then, yeah, LVMH, let's see. I'm trying to see the exact date. I don't see the date when they joined LVMH, but it was the early 2000s, I believe. So, and there they have been ever since. And right. kind of excited to hit six different models today for mm-hmm. Zenith. And yeah, we'll just, we'll just say a hello to our friend Lou S who, if any of you are on Omega forums in the Zenith chat room, he looms large there and is, is a person who is uh, well known for understanding a lot about Zenith history. And he's, he's someone who gives uh direct feedback. Let's say when somebody asks a question about whether a watch is right or not. Okay. Let's jump into the first one. <laughs> Let's do it. So do you want to, uh, do you want to go first today? Uh, I can. And okay. I picked something that you also picked, or at least from the same family. So mm-hmm. I guess we can do this back to back. Sure. Um, I'm going to go to the pinnacle and then we're going to turn it down a notch with, with your pick, I guess, or well, whichever way you want to look at it. But uh, long story short, my pick is the Subsea Chronograph Reference 3736, um, which is a uh, it's a diver chronograph, right? So some people think it's a diver. Some people think it's a chronograph. Some people think it's a diver chronograph. I think the truth is, I guess, uh, somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing is for sure that this is um, a pretty different and pretty cool watch. I, I really love the, the 1969 El Primeros, every model, you know, that there is now. They did the re-editions and... I love them all, but this watch, boy, this is a very, very special looking piece. And uh, I kind of hinted your pick; it's it's in the same category to me, because yeah. you have this. Um, help me out. Which which um, Hoyer has the same case shape? Camaro. The Camaro. Yes, thank you. So it has this Hoyer Camaro esque case shape, where the case is kind of a, a rounded square mm-hmm. with very, very short lugs you have pump pushers and a crown on the right side so on the normal side and on the left side you have uh, at the 10 o'clock position just like you see it with like omega chrono stops for example another crown for the internal rotating bezel and then you have a, a smiling dial or like a 369 sub dial chronograph uh, or, or well, dial uh, design for the chronograph sub hand, uh, sub dial sub registers, and if you're really lucky, you can also have it on the original Greyfriar ladder bracelet, right? Which mm. is which is uh, something special. I've have not seen the real deal. I've seen the reedition, the 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 ladder bracelet. I mean, the new ladder bracelets, and they are super comfortable. So I can only imagine how the 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 vintage one feels and. So this watch came in a bunch of versions. Usually you see it with a dark dial, white subdials, so kind of like a reverse panda um, option with um, an orange um, or red-orange um, internal rotating bezel. Or you can see it with a black bezel and black dial, a silver dial with a black bezel, a silver dial and silver bezel, and the silver dial version has black uh, sub-registers. So there's quite a lot of versions there. This is early 70s, I'm guessing we're talking about here, 40 millimeter case. So it's relatively big and it has a uh, the caliber 146 HP, which mm. you mentioned, it's the Martel-based uh, column wheel hand-wound chronograph movement with Breguet hairsprings, et cetera, et cetera. And because you mentioned that Martel watch company was um, um, a movement manufacturer that created movements for Zenit as well as Universal Genève, among others. So you could, I guess, call this collaboration something similar to Omega, Tissot, and Le Mania had, right? Where Omega, Tissot got together and Le Mania as well, and they supplied the movements. And here you had Zenit and then, then Universal Genève, and they got 
involved with Martel and Martel was creating the movements for them. But um, for example, Movado, obviously, yep. where the, for, the, for, the, for the connection with Zenit also used this caliber. So yeah, it's a, it's a really funky looking watch. And I have to say, it reminds me a lot of some certain Longine models from the era, probably because of the orange. Yep. But um, very, very sweet watch. I, I have to say, I really love the look. Yeah, and they're expensive now, aren't they? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Eight to ten and up. Yeah. No, that's a great pick. And uh, I think for whatever reason, the earlier subsea chronographs are I – didn't, I didn't pick one only because I think of them more as Movados than I do Zeniths, whereas these are clearly Zeniths. And – the older the older ones are just more traditional uh, three register chronographs with a with a dive bezel, but still uh, Zenith and by extension back then Movado, you know, always neat hands and and neat loom loom work on the uh, central chronograph hand, and that continued with the watch that you picked. And that one forty six HP is supposed to be a, a darling of a movement. I don't own one, um, and. The, that ship has sailed for me because they are expensive now. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll follow you up with the with the normal three handed version, the A thirty six thirty five. So yes. same thing, forty millimeter case. It's a big watch, actually. Uh, they wear big, and the um, the typical thing you see here is gray with orange hands, although I've seen them without Mm -hmm. the orange hands and, you know, arrowed hands and just kind of in your face, really. It, (sighs) it, it, it it really looks like, uh, you know, Jacques Cousteau wore about everything in the world, but I don't know if he wore one of these, but it looks like the kind of watch he'd wear. Matches his Um, head. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and, and I, I look here and I see 1970, um, I think on the diver, it's even more pronounced because the you have your normal crown at, at three o'clock and then the internal bezel crown is at like 10 o'clock or so. And it just looks so strange. You know, we're used to the, the super compressor look where both crowns are on the same side. And here, this thing just sort of sticks out uh, mm-hmm. almost like the 300M helium valve. And yeah, uh, true. Yeah. And, and here again, uses the Gay Frere's ladder bracelet and which I'll talk about in a minute. It uses the uh, 2542 PC automatic, which is a Martel movement uh, that was made up until the late 60s. And I guess in 1970, when these came out, they were using stock. Uh, here again, five to 7,000 isn't, um, isn't so strange. I mean, these have been expensive for as long as I can remember. I don't think yeah. I, in my watch collecting career, let's call it, I don't remember them being below 4,000. So you don't see them too often, do you? I guess that's the reason. I... No. And, and these are often heavily, heavily weathered. You know, the, these were, I, I think probably leaked like crazy. And anytime you get these internal bezels, I think it's just an opportunity for water entry. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you don't change gaskets and things like that, as you know, people didn't do, then a lot of these unfortunately are really rough or probably gone now. So, mm-hmm. but, a, but a really, really good duo, I think, and a, and a really neat collection that, you know, at a time when a lot of companies were sharing cases and dials and things like that, here was Zenith doing something pretty unique looking. I'm wondering if the, the case of the diver and the chronograph is the same minus the two drilled holes for the pushers. Mm. I've never seen them. I don't them. know. That's a good yeah. question. A because good it's question. the same size, seen, right? Yeah, they're both 40 millimeter. I've only seen one of these in the glass or, or like in a case. I've, I've never taken one out and put one on, but it was a big watch, you know, mm. especially because, like you said, you think it's similar to a Camaro, which is around 36 millimeters, yeah. and this just looks giant. So, yeah, it's very, huge. very, very good picks. Um, what do yeah. you got next? Yeah, so next I have, and this is where my uh, hinting of the quartz watch comes to play the uh, Zenith, uh, well, from Zenith's Time Command collection, 
I have the Zenit Futur time command, Whoa. which is F-U-T-U-R. So it's not future, it's fut- Futur, I guess. That's how you would pronounce it. And boy, if you have not seen this watch, Google it. Futur time command. It's an analog quartz watch, but nothing that you've seen before when it comes to analog quartz or ana quartz um, or ana digit. Um, it's, an, it's an LED or LED watch where you have an analog dial, which is actually a, a round dial, but, the, but the, the round dial is in between a square dial because the watch has a square case shape. And on the lower right corner of the, the case... Outside of the dial, if this makes sense, there's a small black window, which is the LED window. And now on the right side of the case, you have two pushers. And one pusher is for the date, and the other pusher is for the seconds. So while you see the time on the analog dial, the minute and the hour, there is no seconds hand. You have to push the sec- uh, push the button on the side of the case, and then... You can see in the lower right corner in the little black dial the LED seconds. Or if you push the other pusher, then you will see the date. And it has no crown. So on the left side of the case, you have two correctors, which is obviously hidden. And with a pin pusher, you can set the time with those um, correctors, those pushers, those hidden pushers. And so this is... Yeah, this is crazy, huh? It's as 70s as it gets. It, I looked this up, and you can find one in nice shape for six hundred bucks. Is yeah. that is that right? Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, this is what uh, I was about to say. So this is, um, I guess, some people say that early quartz watches, let that be Zenith, Omega, or whatever brand, it's a ticking time bomb, right? In terms of service, because yeah. God knows when something will blow, and then you will never be able to to make that work again. I'm. I tend to believe that. Yeah. Let's just put yeah. it this way. So I'm not really a fan of these. Well, in my collection, spending because it's 600 euros, and then like that, it's zero euros, yeah, yeah. or as much as it's it's uh, it's worth in parts. Um, so it's a 39 by 35 millimeter steel watch, and it has the caliber 504 GF. I know nothing about the caliber, so I'm sorry about that. Um, and so you have two ver- so you have many versions you have black dial and silver dial versions but in terms of the di- uh, the case design i'm sorry you have the asymmetric and you have the symmetric uh, version with the asymmetric the case reference is 0200-471. you have the two pushers for the date and for the seconds towards down on the lower side of the case um uh, right side of the case in the lower a part of the case towards the, the little LED dial and the symmetric version, which is the 0200-473, you have the pushers basically up and down. So like a normal chronograph pushers you would have. And they come with big integrated bracelets. And if you look up the, and Mike, this is interesting for you. If you look up a vintage ad, you see the Zenith logo on the ad, in the, in the, in the picture, in the ad, which I believe it's the is the logo of the television company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, it's like a lightning bolt Zenith, right? Kind of. Yes, exactly. Yep. The Z looks like a seven, kind of. Yep. So um, yeah, so the the Time Command collection had many many other models, and mostly they had LED uh, displays. It's really cool because you can find Time Command watches that look like a, a nice '60s dress watch, and I'm guessing they just used cases and dials from that era. It's just like a round 34 millimeter case with like a, an analog display, and at the six o'clock you would have a square aperture, and in that aperture you'd had an LED dial, and that would show you the the date or the seconds. But otherwise, it just looks like a regular uh, time only dress watch, basically a tra- time only watch from the '60s. So. It's a really inexpensive counterpoint, I would say, to the Omega. What are those? Those uh, chronometers from that period. Those uh, quartz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this is this is a, a very different uh, animal. Um, but but they are big, and as uh, as you said, I checked them out on certain sites. You see them. 
around 12 to 1500 i think that's way too expensive and i think that's the the bs let's let me just little rant here it's a bs of certain dealers who put vintage watches on certain platforms like road 24 way overpriced like way mm-hmm. overpriced because if you look this up on ebay or kataviki or any other sites you see them going for four between four and eight hundred in working condition depending on the, they have the bracelet or the, the box and whatever papers so i would say it's a six to seven hundred euro any day yeah <laughs> that's a cool pick i didn't even know that watch existed so <laughs> yeah it's funny isn't it it is funny i mean and, and it's you're right i mean buying early electronics well bad bad uh example maybe but you know i've always said with the um the old Bulova uh accutrons Accutron. mm-hmm. i mean i have one of those and it i've had it fixed i think three times and it doesn't work <laughs> it, it's just it's a gorgeous thing to look at. It's a space view and it just doesn't work. So funnily I'm enough, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, when we did the, the Chrono 24 get together in London, t- t- 2018, we, I know Paul Maltzley, you, well, you know, Paul Maltzley mm-hmm. and Paul is, is good friends with Roger. And, um, I asked Paul if he could connect me to, you know, with Roger, cause I wanted to invite him to talk. Uh, because every get together we would have a speaker and um and he came and he was he you know he was just the nicest guy ever he came like 30 minutes uh in advance there was nobody there only us he sat down we had a coffee he's really a, a super super nice guy um and super approachable i mean we've met him at mm-hmm. qp you and i and of course paul super nice guy and um, we were, we were, you know, after the presentation, he talked about coaxial and his watches and 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 everything else like that. And then we had a conversation, and Chris Mann and I and him about vintage watches. And Chris had his flight masters on. I don't even know what I was wearing, and he was wearing a Bulova Akutron. <laughs> and he said, "Man, I, I just I, I maybe he didn't say man because <laughs> he doesn't talk like that, but." He said, I really love these pieces. They're amazing. And then he looked at the Flightmaster and the case shape and Explorer 1. Somebody had an Explorer 1. And he was just the biggest fanboy ever. It was mm. very funny. You know, you, you haven't seen everybody was like, oh, where is, where is a, a, a real uh, um, watch from him, from Roger? None. He just had vintage watches with him. That's and cool. um, yeah. So um, it's well, a very special watch, the Aquatron. Sorry. Yeah. About and that. I mean, taking like over. This- the Zenith, though, you know, these were these were special watches and expensive back in the day. Uh, but so this was more expensive than the Rolex Sub back then. Yeah, I, I, I can read. believe it. Yeah. I can believe it. So very cool pick. Very Thank cool you. pick. And you, you showed me a new watch today. So <laughs> not one that I will buy, but one that I didn't know existed. So well, you can always look for time command watches and you'll see how cool they are. They're really they're just like a dress watches with a, and an LED in the middle of the dial. Yeah. Should look them up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go to something very analog and very mechanical here. Um, the Zenith S58, and Ooh. these are watches that uh, I've I, I don't own one of these, but when I see them, I find them incredibly attractive. So this was, if I'm not mistaken, Zenith's first dive watch, and. They came out in 1958 and were made for 10 years, and there were four generations. And the first two watches were without bezel, yet they were 200-meter watches with these really attractive loomed 36912 dials, you know, luminous Mm -hmm. hands, and... They started out as manual wind and then shifted to automatic by the end. And, and as mentioned, the last two generations did have at Bakelite external bezels. Mm-hmm. And the last model had a Martell automatic with date. So, mm. you know, for my money, the first two without bezel or gorgeous watches, the third with bezel with no date is also beautiful. The fourth, I mean, it's a neat watch. I just find the, the first three more pure. And these are, 36 and a half millimeter watches. So they're, they're almost like explorer looking yet. They were built as divers and Mm -hmm. 
there's a, a fascinating website uh, or article on rescapement by Rich Forden that gives the complete history of these of these uh, S58s and the 58 I guess coming from 1958 and he states what that the S is likely for scaphandra which is mm-hmm. the type of diving that was done where the uh, the air supply is actually outside of of the water and you know an umbilical is is led to the dive suit and mm-hmm. fascinating article again these are really plain watches and with with the the flare being kind of the S58 font and the inscription of S58 on the case back which was, was about to say that it, it's it's just fantastic <laughs> it's um, an empty case back with S.58 on it yeah it, it's Nothing it's else. so I don't know. This watch is just sort of quietly confident. Uh, that's how I would put it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> what should we put on that? Nothing. Just the name S58. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Okay. S58. They'll know what it is. So, <laughs> yeah. And these are, you know, w- when when you get to the bezel, they kind of remind me of the early um, Seamaster. You know, the earliest Seamaster, actually. Mm-hmm. You know what this reminded me of? The the we talked about it last week. The Certina DS, mm-hmm. the early divers. A yeah. yeah. But these have a have a pretty, you know, the dial isn't as flashy as those, but it's Yeah. Yeah. You know, here again early dive watches this late 50s piece and you know the article opines that the the early generations without bezels and and Certina made without bezel as well, you know, was because people didn't really have a a view on what a dive watch was supposed to be at that time. You know, you basically had the the 50 fathoms and the Submariner, which did have external bezels. So it's kind of weird that these, these companies didn't jump right into that, but the water resistance was a big deal. And I guess if you're on an umbilical, maybe the amount of time you're under there isn't such a big deal. Uh, you probably had other instrumentation with you, but the, um, the prices now for these are are pretty darn high. They're anywhere between, five and twelve thousand dollars just depending on the uh you know the condition and the and the variant and Hmm. in the article there was a an early model and it was actually uh the 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 credit was from our friend eric wind and it was a silver version that i mean this dial was basically unreadable (laughs) it's so deteriorated but with these that's uh that's apparently part of the charm and I would really like one of these because the the design is, like I said, pretty. It reminds me a bit of the Explorer, and I just enjoy that that simple yeah. view. But so, something really cool. I kind of wish early in my collecting career now I had focused on these late fifties divers from a bunch of different brands. And it's kind of ex, uh, Explorer priced as well. If it's yeah. eight to twelve, like maybe not a fifties Explorer, obviously, but. Definitely one of the early references. Um, yeah, yeah, very special piece. Very cool. I like I like the inscription on the back. This is like that's a start fifty eight. That's all. That, yeah, that's a big <laughs> fu to everybody else. Like yeah. water resistant. This that no s fifty eight. That will do. It's fine. Yeah, very cool. So very, what's your last cool. one? Yeah. So the last one is. You know, we can go when we talk about Zenith, right? We can go to the to the chronograph realm, and there's a bunch of those. But I think a lot of people, or when people talk about Zenith, it's often that a Primero this, a Primero that, 1969. It was the first. No, it wasn't. It was Psycho. It was this. It was that. Whatever. But this piece, which you just brought up, and maybe the the time command as well, and this one, I'm gonna pool is and also the subseas there's something completely different this is not when you think of zenith this is not what you think of mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that they're less interesting or funny or enjoyable and whereas we have five six eight ten twelve thousand dollar pieces which we just talked about this one that i'm going to mention is the 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 zenith defy surf quartz mm-hmm. is a 400 euro watch but I invite you to Google it and have a look at the Defy Surf Quartz. It's the reference 9362 or 02 or, oh, sorry, 
4460. Sorry about that. It's <laughs> <laughs> like that's like a phone number. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, search for 9362. I think that will also do the trick. So, these watches, so it's a defi line is obviously still alive. It's it's one of the the defining uh, the line of uh, one of the lines of uh, of Zenith. Sorry about the pun. And this watch uh, or this model was produced between 1970 and 1979 with the caliber 460. We have about 36 millimeters, and we have a something similar to the Tissot PRX, right? Or we can say that the Rolex very Oyster similar. Quartz. Yeah, or many similar. other models from that era. So you have this kind of, um, it's an integrated bracelet steel case where the case is kind of roundish, but it's in a in a square tonal shape where the, the shape is continued with the bracelet. You have big vertical link links in the bracelet. And there are a number of versions of this Defy uh, surf quartz. So you can you can find many, many different versions. And I really love how simple that watch looks. Hmm. You have a black face. Um, you have large, thin indexes, a date window at 3, the Defy quartz at the 6, Zenith at the 12, uh, silver hour and minute hand, and a red seconds hand, and that's it. And a crown. Great piece. Really, really. <laughs> Here again, another one that I, I didn't know about. And in some ways, the case reminds me of the A783. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. You're right. Which is, of course, also Zenith. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It just makes sense that it's... Uh... And in a way, if you think at, at the modern DeFi's, which are more tonal shaped, I think, than ever before, this is also the clear DNA, right? Coming from models like this, for example, from yeah. the 70s. This kind of roundish tonal shape. Um, this was made in a number of versions, um, in a number of colors. So the one I picked, or the one I, I basically use as an example, is a black dial version, as I said. But you can also find them in a white dial, or a cream dial version, and silver dial. You also have them with different types of bracelets, um, I think there's also a square version, um, but to me, this this Defy Surf Quartz with the with the black dial and the silver case and the red hand, this is just perfect. Yeah, and I mean, I found a really nice one with a silver dial, and it's it was a thousand bucks, and it's it's reserved now. Granted, it was basically new old stock. I mean, it's sitting in its original packaging. So I think if you hunt around for these, like you said, there's. Uh, you can find some for quite a bit less, right? Yeah, but that then again, we, we're talking about vintage quartz, right? And this is what we said. Like vintage quartz watches are not cheap anymore. Yeah. I mean, if it's in good condition, you can easily find one for 15, 1600 euros or more. Well, there are some, I mean, I'm looking some styles like this. They made some in automatic. They made... Um, yeah. There's, There's a square ones, I think, that automatic kind of also. Like, almost like some, I don't know how I would call this case. It's it's got points at six and or sorry, at three and nine o'clock. I mean, there there are really a lot of um different shapes here and all reasonable. And I think you know, with with of course the integrated uh, bracelet thing being such a, a popular trend right now. All these watches are are now a bit more in focus, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a cool pick. And actually, I'm 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 looking at one here, the Zenith Surf twenty five seventy two PC, and that's actually an automatic, and looks like 35 by 40 millimeters. So not huge, but these, you know, $900. So there's a lot there to look at. And whether you go quartz or mechanical, cool thing is you've got a Zenith on your wrist, right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, maybe because of LVMH or whatever, Zenith might not get the same attention or at least in the past, um, the same attention they deserve. 
And I'm really happy with this episode because I think we can we can shed some light on some some different pieces, not only the the chronographs. Uh, although I have to say those chronographs are marvelous. Whether we're talking about the vintage ones or the new ones, mm-hmm. but but um, you know some of them, some of these models. Um, there's the the as also a, a diver version, I think, of this the Surf Defy Yellow dial. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, which is, it's not a quartz. I think that's an automatic um, movement mm-hmm. with like an external and a kind of an internal bezel or or um, rather a, um, um, a minute scale, but kind of like a sandwich dial. So yep. there are some some very, very cool pieces Absolutely. Um, from Zenith. No, great pick, great pick. Thank and you. again, thanks for bringing up another whole area that that honestly i didn't know about um i i'm 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 gonna go to to my last pick here which is unfortunately not creative at all but (laughs) (laughs) i i can't have a discussion on zenith without bringing up the a386 because to Mm. me it is it's probably top 10 for me in terms of chronograph design i think you know, if you look at all the different great 60s and early 70s chronographs out there, and there are many, there are many. I mean, that's my favorite era. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are are pretty darn similar. You know, there are a lot of color themes, you know, a lot of black and white, little hints of red and thing. But the A386 and, as you mentioned, by extension, the other models in and around that time are incredibly mm-hmm. creative. Mm-hmm. Um the way they blended color, the way they sub-registers overlap, things like that, just totally different than anything else. And I think what a way to celebrate a brand new movement. You know, we, we can talk about things like the Monaco for the caliber 11. I think that's equally amazing. Um, you know, Seiko's models. Yeah, yeah, actually, you're right. So are similar colors, but the A386 is is just a tour de force. And they, you know, for those who don't know it, this is really the first El Primero watch, and now said uh, to have been built between '69 and '72 with 4,500 different examples. And I think there's like four or five different uh, little. Uh, variations within that the case changed slightly and there's different um case backs and crowns and and different things that are correct for for the right serial numbers uh, i won't get into all that because there is a great site out there called alphahands.com which is really extensive and very helpful for somebody who's considering one of these they, these so so I bought mine I don't know now seven years ago or something and mm-hmm. as I as I kicked off the episode or we said earlier it it's been a it's been a, a fairly uh, maintenance heavy watch uh, I think a, a high beat movement puts a lot of stress on parts and mine started like a week or so after I got it when the uh, central hand wouldn't return to twelve and turned out the little ferrule that is on that hand that fits over the, you know, the central um, pin or whatever it is that's, it's turning all these things had stretched out and I think it just fatigued. And so that that's a service part on mine. And uh, I still, I still think um, with that, it's still a fantastic watch. Um, I love wearing it. It's a little thick, uh, but it's, it's got a great case shape and I, um, I, I do think it, it belongs in, 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 in special company. Um, and, and as such, um, the A386, I mean, they were sort of hovering in this seven to, to $12,000 range and those days are gone now. I mean, they're 20 to 30, 35,000 now, uh, with, condition all over the map. Now what they really sell for, if you can find one for less, maybe so, but they're, they're very well-known watches. So Hmm. you're not going to probably find one that somebody doesn't, doesn't know what they have. Um, Gay Frere's ladder bracelet, which as you mentioned before, it's an amazing bracelet. It, I tell people it's basically like a Rolex, uh, 
oyster bracelet with some <laughs> short metal links, right? And mm-hmm. it feels very same, similar. The clasp is very similar and it's gay frares. So basically the same as, as Rolex at the time. It's, it's a special watch and I love the colorway. I really, really do. And it blew me away that it took Zenith so long to come out with the watch that they now make in serial production, the Chronomaster original, because they had done some limited edition A386 stuff for the last several years, but they finally came out with something that you can get every day mm-hmm. for less than 9,000 euros that, okay, functionally, it's a little bit different with the way it's counting. It's got the uh, one-tenth uh, or the, 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 yeah, the one-tenth of second, I guess. And yep. so it, so it's a little functionally different, but looks-wise, it's spot on. And I think the modern one is, is pretty fantastic. And, of course, service-wise, yeah. you shouldn't have the issues. But, yeah, the A386 to me is it's a legendary watch. Oh, yeah. And that's the closest with the new ones, the closest you'll get to to this, uh, getting one of those if you can if you can afford it, this 9,000 um, price. No, I... I totally wholeheartedly agree with you those are wonderful pieces and and there's a reason i kind of wanted to left uh, or well i didn't leave them out but i left them out not on purpose but because as i said there are so many auto models out there but that doesn't mean that that these models are not amazing because they are and i think as you said this this is uh, a completely other realm of watches this is on a pinnacle i think this is where the the speedmaster 321 is or where the early daytona is mm-hmm. or um yeah a- any of those iconic chronographs um there were some before zenith uh, before that at zenith there were and are so many after but there's a reason that they command this high price and that there's a reason everybody's still lost after them and there's a reason Zenit reissues it and it's because it is what it is. It's a, it's a legendary movement, a legendary model. And um, I don't think it's lack of creativity on Zenit's end. Just like reissuing the Ed White, for example, Speedmaster is mm-hmm. not lack of creativity on Omega's end. It's more to to pay tribute to um, an iconic model that, that paved the way, you know, all the other models that came after. Yeah. I, I I agree, and some watches just look good sixty years later or yeah. fifty years later. You know, and and, and this is truly amazing that you look at this watch, you re redo it, remake it. You don't change anything, right? Because you can get the same the the, yeah. the one with the same size, and you can show it to your uncle or your friend or your girlfriend or whoever people that don't know watches, and they're like, oh, it's nice, and it's a seventy eight year old design. Yep. I yep. guess that's the reason why the the Porsche 911 still works. Yeah, basic same design is there. Yeah, amongst many other design items, Ames, Ames chairs and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, the A386, couple of little specs, uses the 3019 PHC, high beat automatic, quick set date actually, which was pretty hmm. neat for back then. Uh, 38 millimeter by 13 thickness with 19 millimeter lugs. Stainless steel. Um, there was a gold version, not not with that uh, reference number. It was also very attractive, and I would invite you really to to look around at um, all those early seventies El Primeros. Unfortunately, um, and I think you and I witnessed this. Even some of the really funky ones that you could pick up all day long for twenty five hundred, three thousand are now much more expensive, and. Mm-hmm. But you can still get some of the the funkier models with much more 70s-style cases for, for well under what the A386 costs. Just uh, make sure you've got a watchmaker who enjoys working on these. So. <laughs> yeah. And the, the emphasis on enjoys. Yeah. So, well, Balash, I uh, I appreciate talking, uh, appreciated talking about Zenith with you. And As always. Yeah, it's been fun. I hope I hope we hit some models that people didn't know about, and we really did 
know, there are plenty more to talk about with Zenith. Uh, I think with all the brands, we cover certainly more than six, but these are the six that stuck out with us. And I like mm-hmm. today that we hit really a, a wide spectrum of models everywhere from divers to chronographs to funky quartz and early quartz. Yeah. Yeah. So. LED watches and, and everything in between. Yeah, it was a nice, interesting uh, collection that we just put together and uh, really uh, I really love to to do the research and and look up some some quirky funky interesting exciting different pieces from from the history and this is something that I think we should continue I mean absolutely. to choose another brand and you know it was, there's plenty to choose from absolutely so yeah well Balash with that I wish you a great rest of your day and Mike is out Thank you. I wish you the same. While I just out as well. Thank you.